Alright, cool. Okay, we'll let it out that faffing then. Okay, once again, Lon, man, you gotta get on, on composing us some theme music. Oh, I, I do have a, I, I was writing a song. Can I, can I do a little bit Go of ahead, it? Go ahead, do a little of it. Let's it's be to the tune of Mac the Knife. Oh, and, um, Is that public domain? It doesn't matter, we're the internet. Wait, are we rolling? We're pirates on the internet! Oh. Go ahead! Oh, that fanboy reads his comics. Maybe someday... He'll get laid. Okay, that's all I got. Sing it to me. But anyways. <laughs> we all stop after that point and cry. Mm. All right, so once again, yes, if you're just tuning in, and you must be, uh, this is the Fanboy Planet podcast for August 30th, 2006, coming to you from Fanboy Planet Comics at 2725 El Camino Real Suite 105 in Santa Clara, California, 95051. That's what, four doors down from the Juicy Burger? And it's the only place... I buy my comics. That's Lon Lopez from MoronLife.com. Are there other places to buy comics? Mm, Not that we can talk about, no. But if they'd like to sponsor us, okay, I'll think about it. There we go. Uh, Well, if you're in Los Angeles, I always say, certainly, if you're in Sherman Oaks, you can go to Earth 2 Comics, or my friend run by my friend Cara D'Angelo, who's fantastic, fantastic, and and guested on a podcast a few weeks ago. Uh, The phone number for Fanboy Planet Comics is 408-244-2683. And now, on to the meat of the show. You don't want to know about the store. You want to know who we are and what we think. So, once again, uh, I'm Derek McCaw. I'm the editor-in-chief of Fanboy Planet. And uh, with me is Lon Lopez from moronlife.com. Hello, everyone. And uh, our sound engineer and guest commentator this evening, Rick Bretschneider. And uh, As always. My my fan is here. And, and, And... in the background, uh, the manager of Fanboy Planet Comics, Steve Simonetti. Okay, he's get, he's also he's Trapped doing his in own movies apparently. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, Steve's, all, Steve's a man out of time. Yes. Ask for his special cookies. All right, so uh, let's be, begin uh, tonight, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, something struck me with horror this morning. On JimHillMedia.com, I'll name check out the website, which usually does a lot of coverage of Disney-related items, but uh, Jim Hill felt obligated this morning to share with us that he had a picture from a toy licensing show of Marvel Babies. Now, as Lon was pointing out to me uh, a little early before we started, that uh, Fisher Price has had a line of Marvel characters. I think they call them Marvel Buddies, not Marvel Babies. I'm not 100% sure it was Fisher Price either, but the Marvel does have a line. There is a line of it. Super team heroes, super, not super friends because that would be DC, but it is Marvel characters because you can get like the Hulk as a construction worker, right? Uh, Captain America, Captain America is an Indian, uh, Spider Man's a policeman, and then they all join the Navy, right? Uh, so they, they all hang out at the Y. I was wondering where you're going. With Indian uh, well, thank you. Good. Okay. It finally came around. It took you a while. But all right. Good. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, no, but they actually are doing. It's true though. There's like a Hulk construction worker, and it's kind of like they're repurposing some of their old construction toys. And I think that was Fisher Price because only recently Mattel landed the license and when I was down at Comic Con they took us took the press down to the vault and showed us a bunch of... No, that was Hasbro. Hasbro that was Hasbro. Hasbro, yes. Hasbro, Hasbro, Hasbro is the Marvel license. And Hasbro, I believe, owns Fisher Price. So it all makes sense now. It's all coming together. I'm sorry. Mattel, no. Mattel has that new video game thing. But they have the DC license. And they have the DC license. There we go. It's so hard to keep straight. I'm your action figure aficionado. Oh, right, because you're single and are still allowed to buy them. Fantastic. So, uh, yes, so we said, when we get down Marvel to the vaults, there were, there were like a baby Venom and a baby Spider-Man. It was a line of Spider-Man 3 because kids are just, you know, kids are really going to embrace Venom as a, as a concept. They're not going to be scared of all of that. Um, parents love Venom. Parents love Venom. I believe actually in the 90s they had to take a, a, one of the Venom action figures off the market because had a very long tongue, and yeah. I have this one. We press a button, and it would lick. Choking hazard. It, uh, <laughs> well, maybe or there was another one that was a talking yeah. venom. I have that. It says, "I want to reach your brain." Oh yeah, die, Spider Man. Yeah. Yeah, I gave that, that to Brian one year for uh, Christmas. Oh, he and Steve fought over it. Brian, of course, would be the former owner of the store when it was remember called that? Brian's Books. The Venom, uh, I Want to Eat Your Brain figure. Oh, I remember that, yeah. yeah. Talking action figure. <laughs> it was a great Brian action figure. That, I think, uh, so Marvel Babies. Back. Marvel what? Babies. So they had... What's sp- going on They're with spilling out of a crib. They had Spider-Man, Captain, Baby Captain America, Baby Thor. Yeah. 
uh, a baby spider girl because they keep trying to force this con this spider girl in this child line that doesn't exist because she doesn't look like any other spider girl or spider woman that we have ever seen. So she has sort of the mainstream Spider-Man costume but with ponytails. Yeah, they're cute coming up. So you know it's odd. But I think the most frightening thing of this uh, of this picture was the baby Hulk. A diaper. Mm. I think that's actually quite adorable. A green baby. A green baby. How functional was the Hulk? Well, again, it's a a picture. I'm hoping not too functional. If they actually have a baby alive Hulk and he really wets and wets and wets and wets. So, what's your take on the baby? And or uh, baby Marvel. Well, I, I've got this problem with this whole IP thing. Uh, this concept of, of intellectual properties have to go from cradle to grave. <laughs> I thought you were talking about IP. IP. That's what Hulk says. Hulk, IP. IP. Hulk, Hulk, Hulk would mad. Ne- Hulk would never use first person pronoun. Uh, <laughs> Hulk P. Hulk P. He, IP. No, I know P. Hulk P. Uh, <laughs> but uh, this problem, this thing that we have to get them while they're young. Well, yes, I do agree that we need to get children reading comics. I'm all for that, and and writing comics that are uh, appropriate, age appropriate. You know, I don't know if the Hulk, who they keep positioning for adults as basically a mass murderer that can't be held culpable because he's got no power, to, making him a beloved children's figure. Uh, but, yet, but yet, doesn't it establish brand familiarity so that when these kids become pre-teens or teens, they like the characters, they're fond of the characters, and then they might pick up a comic book. Maybe, maybe, but do you need to make them babies is, I guess, the the bigger question, because, and and it's a question we can probably keep coming back to week after week, that certainly uh, if you put the Hulk as he regularly appears on a kid's t-shirt, say for like a three-year-old, that three-year-old loves the Hulk. Is going to buy that shirt anyway. It's going to like the Hulk regardless. It's not about. It's like that whole Robin thing. Some people used to argue in the '40s, like, did you need a kid sidekick when really comics were popular enough without kids? Like everybody liked Batman. Did you yeah. need to give the kids somebody to identify with in the form of Robin when no kid, no kid really wanted to be Robin? Yeah, no, yeah, nobody wants to be Robin. We want to be Nightwing because Nightwing gets a lot of action. You lost, your but Robin. nobody wants to be Robin. <laughs> oh, great, Tim Drake. Woo. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you get to wear the short pants. Um, of course, Robin's got long pants now, so that issue, that fight is never happening on playgrounds anymore. But in my day, it was but, a traumatic thing. You know, Batman and Robin, you know, was huge for what it was with you know as a as a as a as a, as a marketing thing, but also as uh, it, it, you know, it was just it was the, the buddy action kind of dynamic dynamic oh, duo. Okay. Forgive the pun, sure, but I mean, there you go. so it basically I think it brought. That more level of let's say popularity to the brand. The, there's okay. that name again. The so brand. we're like kid sidekicks. Do we need baby sidekicks? Now, one thing in Infinite Crisis that few people realized at the time and then were horrified by is that uh, there is a baby sidekick in DC, the DC universe who is now dead because he got decapitated by Superboy. Do you know who it is, Lon? The baby sidekick. The baby sidekick. Uh, mini bat. Member of the Teen Titans. Uh, Wildebeest, who is a two-year-old, but turns into a seven-foot-tall man-beast, was... Oh, God. I don't think he was actually decapitated. I think, to be fair, I think he was just ripped in half Mm. by Superboy, which is a little more palatable, but I believe his mother, Pantha, was decapitated, so... well, I guess way to go, Jeff Johns. Yeah, DC's uh, going sorry. for that family. So I can see that tying back They've into got, the whole product yeah, line. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. And because uh, because Wildebeest did indeed wear diapers, so it goes back to the Hulk. So there's precedent, I guess, and now I've sort of defeated my own argument. Damn it. I, I honestly, just to finish up on that, I think it's not a bad idea. For us hardcore fans, it's kind of, oh, what are they doing? But I think their whole goal to keep the industry going, and we know with the internet and the video games and everything else, the industry's hurting. So if they can build some kind of younger fan base that's going to be familiar with these characters, and when they grow up know who Spider-Man and Captain America yeah. and, and the Hulk is, because there's not always going to be a Spider-Man cartoon show. There's not always going to be something. Uh, you Spider-Man shut your mouth. Movie. Oh, okay. there always will be. Sorry, but it's I'm just saying. It's kind of funny though because most most of the baby toys that are baby baby children yes. are sold to little girls. Yes. Not boys. That's it. That makes it an interesting point and a frightening point. Yeah. Uh, we shall... Uh, and the other thing, though, too, is most parents 
they'll want to buy their kids these violent, you know, realistic Spider-Man toys, whatever. But if they see the cutesy little Fisher Price Spider-Man guy, they're going to buy them, and there you go, brand rec- recognizability, and you've got some longevity. Do they get printed at that age? Oh, I mean, I also think there's something, especially with little boys. You know, the, the every parent has a story where they don't want their child to have guns, and they bite a piece of cheese into the shape right. of a gun and start shooting. You, you hold a car up. You can't. Yeah. Bang. Yes, I have been shot with several toys that were not meant to be uh, firearms. So there you go. Now, we, this is a good controversial topic, and I'll use this as a little check here to ask the listeners what they think. Go ahead and write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com and offer up your opinion, and we can pick this up in later. Or on later, the fan forums, too. Or on the fan forums. Yeah, they're still there. Nobody's Talk to us, please. We're so lonely on the internet. We're so lonely. Or at least just come write bad stuff so we can yell back at you. Yeah, okay, there we go. You know, decide you hate Chris Garcia. That's always good for a lot of activity. That happened, uh, I don't know who that guy is. He hasn't written in a long time. I can't believe I'm, I'm begging that guy wow, to, uh, to write. Yeah, oh, All right, moving along. Oh. It's okay, Garcia never wrote it, read it anyway. So, um, well, this week in comics, as I noticed, I walked around the rack and there's nothing that really struck my attention about coming from Marvel, because of course we all know that Marvel <laughs> is late, 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 um, and believing, still saying that uh, there only, it just doesn't make any sense to me that only that one issue of Civil War will be late. Well, if it's late because uh, they're not going to change artists, this is issue number four, I think, of Civil War, um, how is that artist supposed to suddenly draw twice as fast in half the time? I'm not even sure I, I did the math right on that, but I know for sure Marvel didn't do the math right on that. And What's Marvel trying to hide is what I want to know. Um, I don't know. They, they have uh, Bill Jameis's soul in a glass sphere uh, kept on, on uh, Joe Quesada's shelf. But uh, well, this is a story that's going to, I think, we, everybody has to follow uh, for the next few weeks because it has been brought up among some retailers. There's some concern about how this is going to impact retailers. Uh, Warren Ellis has theorized that uh, that Marvel fans will just save their money. They'll wait until it comes out, which is all fine and good if you're just a guy who likes Marvel and you're going to buy the Marvel books when they come out. You're not, you know, you're not going to spend it on something else like candy bars. But it, that's not good for the retailer, and we know a lot of retailers across the country are, are not doing so well, and uh, we're talking, it's going to be a month where they were counting their sales had gone up, and they thought, ooh, they ordered uh, according to what they thought their sales would be, and now their sales aren't going to be that way for September. So it's going to be an interesting one to uh, talk about. But to The get interesting thing, though, too, sorry to cut you off, is no, uh, this wasn't Civil War supposed to be Marvel's big summer event, and now I look at... I looked at the the pull list you put on the website, and issue seven doesn't come out till January. I think it's not scheduled to ship till January. So well, I think six. we're all familiar with wars that claimed they were over <laughs> and went on for years. <laughs> so I think Marvel is far the Marvel universe is far more like the real universe than we could have ever imagined. Wow! And oh, send wow. all your hate mail to editor <laughs> at fanboyplanet.com. Although I'm sure Lawn at moronlife.com would be happy oh, I'll to take, take a it. couple. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you'll take a couple. Great. Pass them over to me. Yeah, I hope they're not on fire. Can I say one thing about? Civil War, real fast. Sure. I've, I've been reading up and catching up on all the issues. Because you've had time. I've had time. And uh, is it just me or every issue a preachy kind of let's let's have our little, like in between their fights, both sides are preaching their little, but we have to stand up for what we believe and I believe this. And I was like, I was like, this is getting really, really old, really fast. It was interesting once. Yeah. Actually, the Fantastic Four crossover issue when the thing defended Yancey Street against uh, a battle on both sides. Yes, I read that, and it was actually, I thought that was really moving, partially because I think J. Michael Straczynski, and as uh, I think Andy has has even pointed out, that uh, Brian Michael Bendis in Avengers, that these good writers on the side of Civil War are working very hard to catch up and make the events of Civil War make sense, make their characters' actions in Civil War make sense in the context of their own books. And they're doing a heck of a job. But I would agree with you. I think that the actual Civil War and Civil War Frontline is very expository and very pedantic. And part of the problem is, I don't think... I mean, I've heard Joe Quesada talk about it. And I don't think anybody at Marvel's made up their mind. And, they, and, they change, and they're trying to play both sides against the middle. And maybe that's the problem with it, is that right now, nobody really has a clear point of view. 
Which, yeah, it's messy and it's kind of cool and it's, a, it's an interesting narrative experiment, but now it's gone on too long. You're right, because how long how long before Marvel can take a side? They keep asking us to, when are they going to? And the other thing is, just how long do I want to read the same expository? And they ru- ruined Aurora with T'Challa's marriage, you know, so... Yeah, uh, how could they? How, how dare they? they? How could they? How could Storm be happy if Captain America and Iron Man were not there with her? But, you know, uh... <laughs> Good storytelling, though, isn't about happiness. Oh, conflict. Okay, very good. Well, thank you, Robert McKee. <laughs> All right. So, uh, but that's uh, enough of Marvel. Let's talk uh, on a happier note. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Hooray! A, a huge book that hit last week was Justice League of America, number one. A relaunch. Some of us hadn't realized that the Justice League needed to be relaunched, but then mysteriously it was canceled and uh, it needed one. How, they do this like every 10 years, right? Don't they relaunch the Justice League about every year? Yeah, and I see Rick's looking around. Do we have a copy of Justice League of America? There it is, yeah, down there at Green Lantern. Uh, Rick's gone to get himself a copy because he realizes he uh, hadn't read it yet. I didn't get it. Uh, Steve! Put oh. it on your list. Oh. <laughs> Don't do that on the air. Would you like me to add it to your list, sir? See? Good customer service. Yes. Right there. So... Uh, yes, Brad Meltzer returning to comics because he's, uh, which I think is unlike Kevin Smith, doing the fair thing to his career. Uh, he will. It takes him two years to write a novel, so he writes a novel, and then he commits to writing a, a run of comics. And the other really cool, I was reading this interview, though though it pains me that Brian Michael Bendis is crossing over and doing journalism on wizarduniverse.com. He's doing a heck of a great job, and he's doing a series of interviews with, with creators that he likes. So I was reading last night uh, Brad Meltzer's interview with Brian Michael Bendis, or vice versa, Brian Michael Bendis' interview with Brad Meltzer, and uh, pointed out the interesting thing that that Brad Meltzer has already finished writing his run. Hmm. So no matter what the fan response is, he knows his story is done. It's a you know it's in a vacuum, which is kind of a cool. Did he do thing the same do. with Identity Crisis too? Or yeah, okay. yeah. So that's good. I, I think it's a much. really cool thing. They don't release an issue until he's completely done. So again, you're avoiding the Kevin Smith syndrome. You can't wait. You just you know, have a cliffhanger that lasts three years. But in all fairness, does Meltzer have a budding film career and? Other projects fling him away like Kevin Smith does? Uh, no, he's got more focus, is what I'm saying. He, okay. he says he's going to write a novel. He, two years ago, had... Was it two years ago or just last season on the WB had Jack and Bobby? It was, I think it was two seasons ago now. Little story? The, the TV show Jack, Jack and Bobby. And Bobby. Okay. Uh, and oh, Diane. Sorry. Jack and Diane. Maybe that was there too. I don't know. Okay. Jack and Jackie. Yeah, that Jack show Jack and Bobby he created. Um, someone else's name was on the above the title as a producer but you know he knew he was getting that made and he took that shot and you know he said that there's plenty of other he's had opportunities to go to Hollywood but no right now he'd like to be a best-selling novelist and a best-selling comic book writer well you've actually read it so you just give apply for the job like, yeah you can just apply for the <laughs> job apparently like it also it also helps to have uh, pictures of Judwick Winnick naked I think mm. but that's uh, who doesn't have who those? doesn't have pictures <laughs> of Judd Winnick naked um, the internet I great. actually don't yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> All right, but we can Photoshop them at mm. editor at fanboyporadit.com. <laughs> send send in. in your Judd Winnick name, photos. Your Judd Win- oh, no. And I, I thought Judd liked me, and now it's all over. They've <laughs> oh. just totally blown it. He's um, into that. Yeah, it's there geeky. we go. Uh, yeah, I did read Justice League of America, and my review is up on, on the web. I thought uh, it's interesting because I'm a big Red Tornado fan, and uh, Brad Meltzer clearly, uh, this is where our controversy lawn wrote me last night uh, <laughs> about my age because of my mentioning the first Justice League of America issue I ever had was one in which Jon Stewart uh, first joined the league. Uh, as Emmy a, winner John Stewart. Not <laughs> Emmy winner John Stewart. The oh, other one, a different one, oh, one with okay. an H in oh, the John. Oh, okay. And uh, that's because yes, he had to, he had to fill in for Hal because Hal had slipped on the John and hit his head on the toilet, <laughs> and the ring put him in a healing uh, thing and, and went off and found John Stewart, and and then John Stewart didn't appear again for like ten years. But hmm. uh, that was weird. And what was on the cup? Co- Santa Claus, face down, dead in the snow. Oh, Who okay. killed yeah. Santa Claus? He might not have been in the snow. He was because I recall from the story it was actually that they were Batman and Superman were going to pick a mall Santa up to go to an orphanage and deliver presents, and it was going to be this cool thing. Uh, but and we all know how reliable mall Santa. But the, are, right? no, the, the present, uh, there was a present that had been sent to Santa, and it blew up. 
and killed Santa. So who killed Santa? They tracked it to this special Christmas episode. Yes, to this tenement. Nothing says Noel like homicide. It was the key. The key was dying for the first time. So it was like my first exposure to Justice League, and I was like, oh, this really cool key. You know, this great sense of backstory. I didn't need to see the backstory. I just needed to know there was one, and it was it was cool. Which I think comics could probably take a page for him. Now it's like I that had me hooked. I was totally involved, and every single member of the Justice League got killed in a death trap, or apparently got killed in a death trap. It all happened off screen. And then the Phantom Stranger came and rescued them all. Uh-oh. And there's Dead Man. And what's with this? I, I'm looking at Dead Man, and there was just that relaunch that doesn't have this Dead Man in it. Right. It, well, yeah, there you go. You've got a Vertigo Universe Dead Man going on. Uh, so it's a new version of Dead Man. And then in the in a more collapsing in Justice League of America is Dead Man. And the Vertigo Universe still stays separate, so let's not get yeah, right. too panicked there. But uh, yeah, Dead Man does make an appearance in Justice League of America number one. Or does he? All right, so that's all I can say at this point. Yes, uh, but it's it, it's it's pretty good. Although there is a lot of sitting around and talking, and Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. Well, see, that was my problem with. I mean, we didn't get to this the last time we did. What Justice League Zero mm-hmm. was I, just one of those where it had a lot of premise, and but it was a lot of. I thought just kind of it was a big tease. It was a, it tease. Was a big tease, but it was, it was also was it cheaper? And you know, if they if they charge less. They feel they can they can ratchet mm-hmm. up the tease. Now let me now since you've read this issue, does, that's usually the way it works. Mm-hmm. Does this deliver on yeah. the tease a little bit? Does this give us a little more, or is this still kind of teasing us? Uh, I think it's it's going to be more kind of teasing us because mm. I don't remember from the zero that there was much about Red Tornado, and that's mm. really the focus here. Red Tornado, uh, there's uh, something going on with the miracle uh, with the Miracle Man, Metal Man, and then a character. I believe Doctor Impossible, who is claims to be the brother of Mister Miracle from uh, also Escape from Apocalypse, and so that's the villain. Who's next, Mister Amazing or Amazing Man? No, Amazing Man, no, he died. Oh. Amazing did he Man. die in the crisis? Or uh, yeah, I think he did. I oh, think Amazing okay. Man did die, and oh, not to be confused with Amazing. No, that's man. what I was talking about. Oh, Amazing. Uh, no, man. there's two. There's an, there's Amazing Man, and there's Amazing. No, man. I was referencing both. Amazing. Are dead. You've man. got a chapter preview from Brad Meltzer from his new book, book, The Book of Fate. You notice this is the funny thing. It was fated that he had to become a comic book writer because he was naming <laughs> characters in his novels, which are really great suspense novels. I've read a couple. He's naming characters after comic book characters long before he had become. So he wrote a novel called The Millionaires, and the main character was Oliver, named after Oliver Queen, and then his first comic book writing gig as a result was Green Arrow. I read the first so that's, that's a little, I don't know. It's a little obsessed, yes. Uh, maybe. Yes. There we go. Either that or kind of hacky. I can't decide. Uh, well, Anyways. And we always have to put this with a grain of salt, but that when we talk about hacks, I have to make a correction from two weeks ago that my belief that Zach Penn was a decent writer because he'd written this Houdini TV movie I'd watched on his, I was wrong. That was Penn Densham. Oh. So we can go ahead and say that Zach Penn is a hack, but I would like to throw with a grain of salt here that, of course, we're sitting here in a comic book store in Santa Clara, and Zach Penn has what is, I would say, our dream job, yeah. a career, mm-hmm. and is writing, about, you know, getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to write about superheroes. So, yes, he's a hack, and yes, we would trade places with him in a minute. Uh, so, there you go. Uh, it's jealousy. It's, you can chalk it up to jealousy. Um, sour grapes, sour whatever, grapes, whatever you want to call it, whatever you want to call it. The price of your soul, the price of my soul. Well, you know, I can be bought fairly cheaply. Um, maybe we'll see. Ask Elusive Arts. So we go from there to Trials of Shazam, which is a somewhat controversial relaunch because Captain Marvel, the original Captain Marvel, is. Uh, and you guys may not have read Trials of Shazam yet, but you may have. Everybody has an opinion on Captain Marvel. Mm. And when you think about Captain Marvel, you think of him as being sort of a light-hearted character and not drawn by someone whose art is occasionally as constipated as Howard Porter's. Um, say it's, it's kind of edgy. I like the style Howard Porter has adopted for this book, but it's very different than his work on uh, JLA. To kind of segue back there. Uh, and he, I think he drew The Flash for a while. and I, did, I wasn't really a big fan of his work there, but I'm, I'm kind of liking this better. But it's controversial because it is taking, it is moving the Shazam mythos forward. And uh, if you read yeah, Brave New World, 
uh, basically Freddie Freeman and Mary Mar and Mary Batson, the other members of the Marvel family, lost their powers. And Captain Marvel aged. She has a gray streak, and they're moving it forward. The actual trials of Shazam will not be about Billy Batson, but more about Freddie Freeman proving his worth as heir to the Marvel family. And so it's a little more serious tone, and they say this is the one where he's going to grow up. And you know, do we want Captain Marvel to grow up? If, we, if, if he doesn't grow up, then he's only, what, the two-dimensional character, which is the boy turning into the man, saving the day. Mm-hmm. Shows over. So I mean, after that, I mean, how many relaunches have they tried to do with Captain Marvel that have just not really gone anywhere? So I mean, it, maybe it's time. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Captain Marvel. The most I remember is from his old you show. Oh, seventies. This is your problem. Oh, okay. Seventies. Were you putting cryogenic slumber for a decade? Because this is your problem. Yeah. With, with Cleopatra or Isis? Isis. Who was appearing in early eighties? A little bit. Oh, it had to be no, 81, 82. No, no. Okay. It was 73. Wow, that far? They did a relaunch in the 80s. because I remember. They, You may have watched repeats on a, on a TV Land. Or I, TV Land or no, I remember on NBC they had a Captain Marvel show because they even promoted it inside the comic books. It was like the Shazam show. Yeah. You know, there was an animated, there was a brief animated one from I Filmation. Remember, I, maybe. Which I think was part of uh, Captain Cool and the Cons, maybe. Maybe, I don't like remember. Uh, the yeah. Shazam something Power Hour show. Maybe. That, yeah. yeah, that's, that's uh, yeah, but an, I'm just an animated saying, one. But, uh, if you don't push the character forward, where does he go? I mean, you only, you can only tell so many stories of the the young boy turning into the man, and you know, but I mean, you know, we want to push him for, forward as, what is it, the, the world's mightiest mortal. mortal, you know what yeah. I mean? And I don't think that's been explored, really. Are you pushing him forward because he's so far back? Because you don't look at other characters that way. You don't say, well, let's push Superman forward. Well, I mean, I, you do on one level, but there is something about uh, which Jerry Ordway did when he relaunched the power of Shazam that he had to also explain why, like, Fawcett City, where Captain Marvel looks like the 40s. Savannah had purposely kept the architecture old. And so everybody, you know, and all the cars that were uh, manufactured by Savannah and basically controlled the city were uh, were old. So it's like Orange County. Uh, yeah, I suppose so. There you go. Um, this is how we do in the FC, bitch. So, um, oh, my heavens, I just broke the standards of practice, wow. didn't I? Yeah. Shocking. Um, <laughs> you haven't been shocked since second grade. That's true. Um, <laughs> but before, or, so let's wrap up on the Captain Marvel because I have one question I want to explore. But All right, go tell ahead. Tell us a little. Well, I mean, are we done with the cat, or do we want to talk a little more? We can move forward. I mean, because it, it's one of those it's one of those setting setups that if I said anything about what actually happens, it kind of gives away the plot of the first issue. And I thought it was worth reading, but the question is, you know, I think at, certainly at Comic Con, I attended a panel where a guy was just freaking out. I like the funny one, which they do have uh, Jeff Smith of Bone is doing a Monster Society of Evil. It's kind of more the throw, throwback to the 40s version of Captain Marvel. And Mike Carlin's argument was that the characters of DC are so flexible that you can do, like, a funny story. You can still have a funny story in this room to do both. Well, see, I just I noticed a weird theme for tonight's uh, podcast. and it, We're talking a lot about Justice League revamp. Shazam, revamp, Ram. Brave New World, revamp. I'll see if I can um, get one too. And, but at the same time, we talked about the Marvel babies, and we're talking about brand recognition yeah, and trying to establish that. So we've got two different companies going two different ways where, you know, DC has so the recognition. So we need DC board. babies. Well, it's not so much that. New God babies. But I'm just saying, is it is it a wise thing to just be revamping everything okay. all the time when we feel Thanks. like it's, you know, the... the Stuff isn't selling. Is it time to relaunch it? I mean, new Flash. We got a new Flash. We got a new Adam. We got well, a new. Well, I mean, Lantern. this is I happening mean, in the movies. We've got a new James Bond. Casino Royale is actually yep. going back as a prequel to everything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, logically, as an anal retentive purist, I go, yes. Well, Casino Royale was the first uh, James Bond <laughs> novel and first adventure, so it's only right. But that is, you know, it is, they're considering that a reset. Uh, right. A reboot of the franchise. Our movies and comics, a little, I mean, you've got your core fan base here that is your, you know, buying your books, and then you're just constantly changing all the continuity all the time, and, you know, so I'm just kind of, I just yeah. wanted to touch on that said, briefly. Yeah, no, it's a good question, and again, it's one of those things that, we, you know, will be struggled. I mean, here we are, a man who's claiming to be in his 30s, but clearly in his yeah. 40s from his memories of childhood. <laughs> Liar, Lon. I was 30 years old when I was born. Okay. 
Uh, I'm not gonna. I don't know how old Rick is, but I can say I. You know, I'm older. I'm, uh, older. Okay. <laughs> Forty-one. And here we are still. You know, I don't say leaped over my own age, but uh, that we're sitting in a comic book store and we're talking. Whereas the belief was, you know, the comics would age. The comics readership would age out every seven or eight years, and it was okay. You didn't have to reboot because we just sort of accepted things at face value, and we're of generation or generations. That yeah. I mean, it's not just comics, though. I think, and nobody looks at this okay, larger. This culture does not let go of its past. So we're everybody's liking whatever they liked far longer than anybody thirty years ago thought was going to happen. So fair enough. Fair, fair enough. enough. You know, we'll see. But again, if you have a different opinion, editor at fanboyplanet.com. I give a phone number, but you know, by that time, Steve will have gone home. So, uh, <laughs> but you can always call the store asking Steve. To hold a book for you, or order a book, or something like that. Um, let us turn. I'm going to turn some stuff heavily over here to Rick, because Rick just got back from Worldcon, the World Science Fiction Convention, right? LACon four, which was Worldcon 2006 this year. And so, for those of us who don't know, how was Worldcon? Tell us. Worldcon is probably the oldest convention around. It started in uh, 1939, I think it was, and it, it's only missed. Two years during World War II. Now, I just want to know, was Lon there? I seem to remember it. <laughs> and just, uh, remember it was actually, World that wasn't 1939, was it? Was it 1989, Lon? That clears up a lot. Yeah, mm. there we go. So, uh, it, it, it truly is a, a world convention. Last year it was held in Glasgow. This year, Los Angeles, which which was 10 years ago. It was in Los Angeles as well. And next year it's going to be in uh, in Japan. Not Casa de Fruta? Uh, Casa de Worldcon. Casa de Worldcon. You heard about that? I did. I have a ribbon for it. Wow. Yeah, because you have an in with Chris Garcia. I do. I, I don't like to say an in <laughs> because again, any accusation of Zach Penn being a hack, uh, I, I have no leg to stand on because I have apparently an in with Chris Garcia. It doesn't get much hackier than that. So go ahead. Ouch. Yes. So uh, it was. We love you, Chris. <laughs> Chris was actually the first person I saw at Worldcon that I knew. Uh, so this year, Anaheim Convention Center in in, uh, in Southern California, and uh, it was the 23rd through 27th. So it was probably, uh, of the conventions I've attended, it was probably the most packed with things to do from end to end. We got there on Wednesday, and you go to a convention on the first day, and you're thinking, okay, this may be like maybe a couple things in the evening. It started right in the morning, went on through. There was just tons of programming. So um, and and the, it's it's a it's focused on writing, on books and mm-hmm. uh, writers, but uh, like any convention, they've, they've expanded over the years to include media and productions. And it's probably most known for uh, where they award the Hugo Awards, which oh, is yes. science okay. fiction's Oscars. Um, so, I mean, it was a typical science fiction convention. Uh, some of the panels, uh, there was a Women of Star Trek. Excellent. Where they had Maria Sirtis, Susie Plaxton, Chase Masterson. And, Chase. and Chase is now a blonde, by the way. Oh, yes, she is. And, well, it's yeah, and, it'll change. And Barbara Luna, who played uh, the captain's woman in Mirror, Mirror. Ah, yes, yeah. yes. She's got quite a career going this, this year. It was she, a was gr- a, it, she was a Comic-Con. It was too. a great panel because she kept on saying these kind of retro, pre-sexual revolution reminiscences about Star Trek, and all the rest of the panel kept looking over her way like, where are you from? She's from the past. <laughs> She's from the casting couch in space. All right, so yeah. And uh, Walter Koenig, uh, Harlan Ellison, Robert Picardo, uh, lots of lots of. They were on the Women of Star Trek. Panel? No, no, these were other. These were other. I think uh, they just wanted to get on uh, the Women of Star Trek. Trek. Yeah, I I want to meet Walter Koenig someday because he's got uh, an incredible comic book and big little book collection. And it's well, I'm sure he's not doing fact. nothing right now. Can we, you think can we go? Oh, that's not true. Oh, that's not sorry. true. I missed Robert's panel. He had an hour with Robert Koenig. Was the way it was, uh, way it was advertised. So oh, okay, big big uh, room. So I mean, other panels on uh, everything from like blogging and podcasting panels to <laughs> there was a panel called Is Lost Sci-Fi. Yeah. Which hmm. was neat. They did a they did a panel called Fantiques Road Roadshow where people brought in their articles of science fiction from years past and they were analyzed by the panel to determine their real value. Oh, interesting. It, it was done. There was a lot. I didn't stay for the whole thing. There were there were people up there and they're bringing up their books and articles. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, and, and one called Estate Planning for Collectors. <laughs> so. Uh, 
and just a lot of uh, media stuff. There's Serenity and Star Wars and Trek mm-hmm. and Doctor Who. Lots of Buffy love. Lots of uh, uh, lots of Buffy love. Well, that okay. sounds Josh Whedon. Josh Whedon. And, uh, of course. What was the big event? What was the big kicker? The selling point? What was the big ticket? Probably Galactica. Star, uh, Battlestar Galactica had uh, Sci-Fi Channel had a pretty big presence there on a lot of panels, and so there was one panel in particular on uh, three shows that are coming out and. Uh, for sci-fi, and that's uh, The Lost Room, which, okay, if you haven't heard about it, it's about a room where some, in, sometime in the past, uh, I think it's in the 40s, some event happened there, and all these articles in the room have become charged with some kind of mystic supernatural power. So, for example, there's, there is a, um, a ticket, a bus ticket, that if you touch someone, they end up in a town in the Midwest. They always end up in, a t- in this town in the Midwest. Um, let's see, that's, uh, so kind of an anthology, and uh, well, it's, sci-fi anthology. There's a hairbrush that if you brush your hair, it stops time for five seconds. So it, the show is about finding all these articles of power. What good would that be to stop time for five seconds? There's, there's Let a, me show you. Oh, okay. There's a pen that if you tap it, it creates a penny out of midair. Hmm. So, but apparently tap fast. they're collecting all these articles. Who uses pennies? Trying to find, yeah. Well, pennies are the coppers worth more than the penny now, so they're old pennies. Um, but there are two factor factions here. One that believes that all the articles have to be brought back together again. The other one is, is that if they are brought back together again, something cataclysmic is going to happen. So the show actually is a mini-series that has a beginning and ending, but could, oh, cool. bridge, could bridge into a series, they said. Uh, the other one um, was the Dresden Files. Uh, based on a book series, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. Baker? Butcher. Jim Butcher? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, it's uh, I think there are like eight books in the series, and it's basically a magician who uh, or wizard who hires out to the police for tough cases, and uh, they showed a clip from it. Looked pretty good. Um, I've actually started reading the books myself, so um, but right. that looks that looks pretty hot. Any names in any of these shows that you recognized? Any uh, not in not on either one of those. Um, but, but then they talked about Battlestar Galactica, and there were two panels. Hot for Galactica! Oh right man, Galactica! I've really got to watch this show. So there's there's two things about Galactica before the pre. Before Galactica the is actually starts. a different show they're going to be doing. But anyways, Galactica? Go yes. Go uh, okay. Damn. On, on the WB. All right. So, go ahead. So there is no WB. Oh. Ron Moore, who is the heart of Galactica and mm-hmm. Star Trek uh, lineage, um, was there with most of the writers and the. Uh, Sci-Fi Channel executive, uh, and they basically—it was an interesting panel because they—you're going to hear a lot of rumors, and a lot of them because they were joking around with the audience. And so, Sci-Fi fans sometimes are not the most metaphorical of people. Yeah. Probably the worst one was someone in the audience asked Ron because of his Star Trek uh, background if there would ever be any crossovers between Galactic and Star Trek. And one of the writers was going on about how it was going to happen and what was going to happen. And like, this is what slash fiction's for. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. So, um, but coming up on Galactica before the beginning of season three, there are two things. There's a there's an episode called the story so far that comes out before the season, which recaps the first two seasons for people who haven't seen the show already. Um, and oddly enough, if you're an Xbox uh, 360 owner and you're connected to Xbox Live, you can download that right now to your Xbox. This is crazy. Wow. I don't think it's available anywhere else. I am so bitter. And not just because you work for them. But uh, <laughs> Okay. So, uh, Edit that out in post. Uh, All right. So there was... Uh, and then uh, they've got ten prequel episodes are going to be available for download. They're calling these webisodes. Okay. Webisodes. Webisodes. Uh, they're going to be out three or four minutes each, and they're going to tell a story leading into season three. So okay. they're going to give you some of the back, a little bit of the backstory, but it's not the year. You know, season two ended with the one year later episode, mm-hmm. which um, we later found out Booster Gold had been killed. Yes, by Cylons. So. There you go. <laughs> so uh, that's going to be available on their website for download over the next. I think it starts in, uh, first, it on first week in sci-fi. Sci-fi. Com sci-fi.com. Sci-fi.com. Yep. Hmm. Oh, that's very interesting. That's uh, that's cool. Again, I got to get into that. Um, yeah. So there was an afternoon of film trailers too. So we saw trailers for Flyboys, which is uh, I've seen a poster and I haven't seen the trailer. I don't know James Franco vehicle. Literally. <laughs> have you seen? Uh, clever. Have you seen the Transformers trailer? 
I've the, seen one of the, the teaser or the new one. Which one? The teaser one with the, 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 the Mars, Mars one. Yeah, yeah, seen that. Yeah, yeah. Really nice. that oh, actually made it look like a movie I wanted to see, and then I realized mm. it was Transformers, and I fear it. Yeah, there was a picture of Bumblebee on the web this morning, and uh, I don't like the way Bumblebee. It's a little disturbing, but that's just me. Yeah. All right. Isn't Bumblebee like a Camaro now or something? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. That wasn't my childhood. You, I know. You keep trying to steal mine. No, Bumblebee but was I'm a willing. bug, wasn't he? Wasn't he a Volkswagen uh, no, bug? I don't know. Anyways, moving on. So there was uh, <laughs> actually the only one that really got booed was yeah, the uh, the Casino Royale trailer. There's a lot of people just don't like that. They don't like Daniel Craig. They do not like Daniel Craig. He doesn't do it for me as a Bond fan. But what's really bothering me is a reset, right? It's it's going back and telling the early story. But you still got Dame Junie in there as M. Right. Hey, right, wait is, a second. I don't mind her actually, but it seems like if you're gonna reset the series, reset, reset it the all. series. Yeah. yeah. You know, I have. Can I real fast on the Bond thing? I think I, the, he was on the latest or one of the issues of Entertainment Weekly. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Not. I mean. You know, I'm the furthest thing from gay, but not a, a, like a. He's got the ruggish, the rugged, handsome look. But if I can say, Lon, you're wrong. You're not the furthest oh, thing from well, gay. Maybe not. Um, I'm comfortable. There, my my brother lives in San Francisco, and uh, really? there's a neighborhood by his hmm. house that well, you do very after well. After the show, give me his number. All right. No, um, not my brother. Oh, please, I'm not saying oh, my brother. Oh, probably in the gay area. Yeah. But my point is, you're looking pretty. Buried. He doesn't have the the dashingly handsome, good looks that all the previous. Bonds I've had, but he he looks like he's a like a boxer. He looks like yeah. he's taken a couple in the face, and he's just rough. And so, well, let's be honest. Don't you think Bond probably has taken that, a couple? That's of the, the part face? that does it. Yeah, I mean that that's his is his his graphs on the roll for me. If you read uh, Ian Fleming when he was talking about, uh, yeah, and was it. I I it's fine. I just mentioned this on BBC last week that he said that Bond looked like Hoagie Carmichael. Yeah. I mean, oh, okay. not at all like Sean Connery. Not at all. Well, he later made Bond half Scottish because he liked Connery. But, but at the know. same time, every, where does everybody know Bond from? The all movies? right, I know. But okay. you know what? Those of us who are literate, we care, man. Oh, okay. We're Flemites. I don't know what you can call us. Flemites. Well, I'm just, I'm not surprised people were voting. All right. But, no. however, I will say that I haven't really seen the trailers, but I've heard what they're putting into the movie, and it sounds like it's going to be a really great action, fun Bond movie. So. The trailer looks great until that last scene. I, I haven't seen the trailer. What is the last scene? What the happened? last scene is him kind of sitting there, and you're expecting him to say, him to say Bond, yeah. James Bond, but he doesn't. He just kind of, like, stares at the camera. <laughs> well, just well, okay, like Hoagie Carmichael. No, I'm yeah. Because why would Hoagie Carmichael say Bond, James Bond? Yeah, you know? you'd say Hoagie. He'd Carmichael. play Stardust. He'd play Stardust. That's Star- what he did. So, so the, uh, I mean, the other ones uh, that are noteworthy, The Prestige. Oh, I yes. I saw which the preview for I that. have not seen the preview for that, but looks I do. really cool. Yeah. It's going to get confused with The Illusionist. The cl- but it's the closest we're ever going to get to Batman versus Wolverine. I know. Yeah. It's yeah. hot. And, uh, I mean, because um, Christopher Nolan just confirmed it's out October 20th, and he gave an interview. Well, I can't remember who. He confirmed that, and that uh, Bat, the Dark Knight will be um, 2008, summer 2008. So Fantastic. He's not going to take that planned vacation. Thrilled. So, I mean, to wrap it up, the uh, the big thing on the, uh, as we said, was the Hugo Awards there for the WorldCon. And did you win the WorldCon? Uh, no, no. Uh, but the, what I what I wanted to win did win because they have. Uh, if you tell me Chris Garcia won, I'm just going to uh, kill myself now. Oh, okay, Cal. I'll tell you the Chris Garcia story. So, so did you hear about Match Game? So Chris did a they did a Match Game. No, he, he did one of big. Chris was on one of the panels and he was drunk. Uh oh. They were getting martinis delivered to the panel, and so it was it was a very amusing evening. Okay, mm. but anyway. Um, much love. It explains a lot of his typing. So, uh, <laughs> but he knows that. Zing. Zing. <laughs> so, best novel, uh, Char- Robert Charles Wilson, who wrote, wrote Darwinia a few years ago, won mm-hmm. for Spin, which is a novel about Earth. Uh, all of a sudden, is encompassed by this shell, and time speeds up, and all of a sudden, the sun's going nova. Oh, yeah, interesting. So it's how how the, how people on the planet deal with it. I haven't read the book yet. I freak out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think there's a lot. I need a Hulk diaper. Mm. It's probably a couple of chapters of freaking out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at least two. Mm. Best best uh, dramatic presentation, long form, which is basically movies. Okay. Um, <laughs> but it sounds so much more intellectual this way. Mm. Serenity. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Which beat out Nar- uh, Chronicles of Narnia with about four times as many votes. And then uh, best dramatic presentation short form, which is another way of saying TV, TV, 
Uh, Doctor Who. Woohoo! Two episodes, The Empty Child and The Doctor Dances. Oh, my gosh. Which were great episodes. Scared the crap out of me. Scared the I crap out of me. And, and the great, uh, they all live, Rose. And oh, I cried. Yeah. Oh, I shouldn't say that. But, I, you know, i got to say also, because we're getting this at the end of September, the uh, second season Sci-Fi is going to show. And uh, I, I will say I cried at the end of the second season. I really did. Everybody lives, Rose. And I would agree that Doctor Who and Rose uh, beat out... Luke and Leah, Han and Leah, whoever, greatest science fiction love story ever. Wow. Ever. Unrequited. Pick that one up. Un- well, yeah, sh- yeah, sure, it's unrequited, but that's what makes it, come on. Yeah. Aren't, you know, science fiction fans, aren't we all like Cyrano's? We're all, you know. That's... Well, now I don't have to watch it. Anyways, uh, no. I'm oh, kidding. please. And they beat out uh, the Battlestar Galactic episode Pegasus. So, okay. with, uh, you know, it was, and which is noteworthy because actually Doctor Who was was nominated for three different episodes. So the vote probably got split between those. So it's probably wow. much stronger. That, they only uh, had that one. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. So, so there we go. Yeah. And there was uh, Star Trek movie news, which was not news. Uh, and J.J. Abrams showed J. J. up. J.J. Abrams showed uh, the poster, said I'm doing yeah, it. The poster, and everyone's t- uh, dissecting the poster. Oh, what's the fabric mean? What's the <laughs> <laughs> it all means that they haven't got anything. They, they have no script. They, they have, have no, no ideas. Yeah, they're not right. sure, except that maybe Matt Damon will play Kirk. Oh, there were teaser posters for Iron Man, too. They, they had the, those at kind of Star, Comic-Cons. Stark International yeah. prototype. So you, you didn't you get some shots of that? Yeah, we yeah. got some so, promo stuff there. Yeah. And I shouldn't point, like, it didn't, by you, I meant Lon Lopez of moronlife.com. Yeah, we got All right, so before I move to speaking of sci-fi, and we were talking about serenity there, Joss Whedon, I have a transition. But uh, I was suggested, it was suggested to me by Mario that I name-check the store one more time before we give the last topic. Fanboy Planet Comics, 2725 El Camino Real, Suite 105, Santa Clara, California, 950501. If you need anything, call them, 408-244-2683. We're four doors down from the Juicy Burger, and it's a hip-happening place because you can hear there's a lot of conversation. You'll know Steve because you heard his voice you'll, all yeah, through you'll the... Know. Wait, I know that voice. All right, so speaking of Joss Whedon. Uh-oh. Okay, here, here we go. Officially... Last week, Joss Whedon did confirm he turned in the script. Uh-oh. For Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Okay, so today, this morning on AOL, and it just cracks me up because, of course, everybody, I think anybody younger than Barbara Stanwyck, who I believe is dead, uh, is, uh, so that was a bad name check, Ann Margaret. Let's go with Ann Margaret because she's almost still hot, but she's Sophia in her 60s. Loren. No. Sophia Loren. Anyone younger than that has been bandied about as, is this going to be a Wonder Woman? And Joel Silver's going, well, we want to go with an island gnome, blah, 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 blah. But AOL puts out this morning, Catherine McPhee, runner-up <laughs> for American Idol, uh, is... The one with an eating disorder? Yes, is a front-runner. She's all done with eating disorders and all, and all ready for the golden lasso. Uh, that she uh, is a front-runner for the role of Wonder Woman. Does she even act? Does she... Does it matter? Does it? Uh, well, it yeah. does, yeah, some of us. But, you know... A Whedon movie, sure. Um, yeah, I mean, and, uh, of course, but they said they, they, they were at least willing to say still that, that most people, because of the Joss Whedon connection, are thinking, and this goes back to Serenity, that Marina Baccarin oh, yeah. has uh, the real inside shot, although Joss Whedon has said, uh, you know, I'd like to go with an unknown. But really, outside of Serenity, as unfortunately Serenity's box office proved, Marina Baccarin really is still kind of an unknown. But did you see her on Stargate? No, I don't watch Stargate. So oh, tell me, okay. She looked great on Stargate. But I think what we've what, what I'm saying is what was proven by putting these things on the big screen is that still, even as popular as Stargate is, it's still a very closed niche versus Wonder Woman. So anybody that's popular in Star Stargate, except maybe Richard Dean Anderson, who people still would say is MacGyver, which is watched by far more people than Stargate is watched by. You know that so he's stuck with that. That uh, you could pull someone out of the Sci-Fi Channel and be like they tried it years ago with Jason X. Jason X, which was actually like almost all the cast of Andromeda. So that was the Jason uh, in space, the Friday the 13th right, in outer space. Right. Oh, okay, and almost yeah. everybody in the spaceship that he was killing were yeah. the cast members from Andromeda, and they just changed characters around. And it was yeah, Stargate has that kind of magnetic appeal for 
dead series because they've got people from Andromeda. Now they've now they've brought in people from Serenity. The almost the full cast from Farscape is now regulars oh, on that show. Oh, there we go. So and then they just uh, didn't they just cancel Stargate? They're still going to do Stargate, Stargate Atlantis, but ends, the original Stargate will ends end. with season ten. Okay, season ten. My season God, 10. that thing has been wow. on ten years. It has been on ten years. Wow. So so there we go. Yeah. So Marina Baccarin is still in there, and then they mentioned a. Nobody is talking about any Greek actresses for Wonder Woman because we just don't want to accept that she's Greek for some strange reason. But she's Greek. Uh, <laughs> I was an Indian actress, and I so you're going to say Jennifer Garner? Jennifer Gar- Jennifer Garner Gardner. Okay, Jennifer Garner or uh, Jennifer Aniston. I think she's actually Greek. Uh, maybe. Mm. No, it's too old. Mm, uh, yeah. I'm still kind of holding out. I like Charisma Carpenter, but that's really just yeah, that's too. just in my yeah. dreams. She's a little older. Yeah. That's just in my dreams. Yeah, because she she is now. If, depending on how old the, the she's script a maker. She is. Uh, I mean, but we don't. But we don't know how old the script makes. Or we don't know anything about the script. I mean, we everybody is willing to trust whatever Joss Whedon says goes because certainly fans think Joss can do no wrong, and I think Astonishing X Men has kind of proven that. Um, that when he puts most his mind impressive. to it, it's most impressive. Joss Whedon on a bad day is still better than most of what we're getting. It's kind of interesting because most of what the stuff he does is all about the dialogue between the ensemble, the, mm-hmm. all the people, and yes. so you kind of go Wonder Woman. Okay, so Steve Trevor and Etta Candy, woohoo, yeah. So the yeah, what's what going to be her supporting play is yeah. going to be between there. Well, I think you probably have a lot of a lot of Amazons or Themyscirans, as they say now. Uh, or is it going to be a big fish out of water thing where she ends up in the real world and you know it's thirteen going on thirty all over? Yeah, who knows? Or if she gets set up the way that they did on the Greg Rucka run, she would have a good logical supportive cast of being the, uh, well, she was an ambassador to, from Themyscira and had the actual embassy and the, the minotaur that was the cook that hung out. She, so Wait a minute, wait a minute. There was a minotaur in Wonder Woman? Yes. If they put that in the movie, I'm going to definitely see it because huge minotaur fan. Who isn't? I know, exactly. exactly. Thank you. We all love Minotaurs. We're wacky about the Minotaurs mm-hmm. here. So Put there him we go. In, Joss. If, if you're wacky about the Minotaurs or anything we've talked about tonight, by all means, again, email at editor at fanboyplanet.com. We are so desperate for attention. I am. I am. I'm getting good at this. I'm getting. Also, not laughing at myself nearly as much. I think this is very important. So. But if I don't laugh at me, who will? So, there we go. So that's editor at fanboyplanet.com. Or, of course, as Lana mentioned earlier, on our message boards at fanboyplanet.com, where you can also find out all the information about the store, anything, events that are happening here at the store in Santa Clara. And uh, once again, this is Derek McCaw, the editor-in-chief of Fanboy Planet, and we've got Lon Lopez from moronlife.com. That's M-O-R-O-N-L-I-F-E.com. Uh, who also has a great cable access show. Uh, which well, I don't know if I'd call it great, but I okay, mean, I wouldn't. Okay, I was I was being kind. Thank you. I was, you know, it's good. All right, I, I, it's I'm okay. overdue. I got to meet Garcia for drinks. Uh, so <laughs> there we go. But last week you did the uh, the wrap up episode, the Comic Con wrap up, which I've got. I still have to see. We sat and tried to do. Uh, you know, the, unfortunately, we gabbed a little too much, and we were over our 28 minutes. Well, anyone limit. listening to this podcast knows <laughs> that's a problem when you and I sit down. But and uh, that's okay. But I might have a an uncut version released on the web or something. Oh, fantastic! We have some fantastic banter in there, but uh, oh, that only true fanboy geeks would appreciate. So uh, we'll see what we. They're do. listening to this. They're going to watch exactly. that. Exactly. And of course, Snyder, our sound engineer and guest commentator Rick Brett Schneider. We're very grateful for his continued participation and his report from Worldcon. That was very cool. So thank you, Rick. Thank you. And. We didn't get Steve on uh, directly. I mean, he's been here in like a low hum through the whole thing, sort of like uh, feedback that we couldn't get rid of. But there I'll he give is. You some feedback. <laughs> okay, so that was Steve Simonetti. Please come and ask for ask for him by name and his cookies. And so there we go. Signing out. Until next time, Fanboy Planet. All right. Thanks.